Hey y'all, it's Editing Gwen with an important message from myself and Alyssa. Our coverage of Eclipse is going to address some sensitive topics, including sexual assault and grooming. These are topics that are either explicitly or implicitly mentioned in this text, and they are things that we think are important to discuss. Uh, so if these are sensitive topics to you, if they are triggering to you in any way, Feel free to go ahead and skip our coverage of Eclipse, so that'll be this episode and then the next two as well. Jump back in with us for Breaking Dawn, we'd love to have you. Alright? Alright, let's get this ball rolling. Alright, hi, I'm Melissa. And I'm Gwen. And this is Tea and Squee. This is the podcast where we spill the tea about the things that make us squee. Y'all, we're back. Yes, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's been so long. It has. When- Listen, y'all, we are not immune to sickness, okay? No. Um, (laughs) You girls have had one illness or another. Literally. (laughs) It's like one after the other two. Mm -hmm. I got influenza (laughs) and then you got COVID and it's just, it's been a a long month, you guys. January needs to just fucking be over because I'm done with her. That being said, go get your flu shot (laughs) and um, go get, yeah. Get your vaccinations, wear your masks, do all the do jill, take take your vitamins, stay healthy, friends. But we're back. We're back in the chaos kingdom, and today we're discussing Eclipse. It mm. is the third book in the Twilight Saga by Stephanie Meyer. Today we're going to be discussing what we think is the first half. Yes. It's very hard to cut in half because we were saying earlier, like, New Moon objectively had way more plot than Eclipse. Like, mm-hmm. there's not much going on here. We have, like, one solid plot line throughout with little snippets of other things, but it's a lot of story time and exposition time and mm-hmm. sort of hard to sift through and find the action. Mm-hmm. And I'm not entirely angry about it because we do get to learn a lot more about a lot of the sort of side characters mm-hmm. in the series and I love getting to learn that. Mm-hmm. I am a uh what's the term? It's a whore for lore. Um <laughs> I, <laughs> I love lore more than anything in this world. And so like getting all the backstory is awesome and I love it. Here for it. Ten out of ten. Yes. But um it means that there's no plot happening because yeah. Stephanie Meyer, I guess, is incapable of writing backstory into discussions about plot. Instead, we get all kinds of backstory and exposition, and then in the last, like, 150 pages, we get all of the plot the same way that it was in the first book. Yep. Yep. (laughs) She said, here's exposition, here's some more, but I can't find a way for my characters to discuss this in, like, a natural sort of way, so... Here is so mm-hmm. much story time, which mm-hmm. is fine. I will say, I will say that when we get Jasper's story time, it does work into the plot yes. appropriately. Yeah, it, it, I, I, mm-hmm. it's done. The I don't best, like I Jasper's story time. It's no, not great, it's not good. But um, <laughs> no. But she does at least do it um, intelligently as a story yeah. writer. So. I feel like because it's like the last story we hear, big story. The editors were like, "Okay, Stephanie, I feel like." you need to figure out a better way to incorporate this in the plot because it's not working with just mm-hmm. like, here's my story. Like, it, it, it needs to fit in somewhere. And she was like, okay, let me think on that. 
Aha, <laughs> here it is. So that being said, Alyssa, do you want to jump into this? Should yes. We, we give her a whirl? Let's go. Guys, okay, so uh, right. once again, we start with a very ominous preface describing a scene later on in the book. And once again, I hate that she does this. I, it's stupid. I don't like it. I just wish we could <laughs> jump back into, like, what's going on. But before we even get to the preface, <laughs> oh, we yes. get, as usual, an excerpt <laughs> from a poem or a play or, or the, the Bible. Bible. <laughs> and in this case, we get the poem Fire and Ice by Robert Frost. I would love to read this to all of you now. Some say the world will end in fire. Some say in ice. From what I've tasted of desire, I hold with those who favor fire. But if it had to perish twice... I think I know enough of hate to say that for destruction, ice is also great and would suffice. And I just want to talk about this poem for a moment because I don't quite understand um, what Stephanie's doing here. Because no. um, are the fire and ice supposed to be Jake and Edward? That's yes. the only thing I can think that they're supposed to be is that Jake is supposed to be the fire and yeah. Edward is supposed to be the ice. But in that case, why would she choose a piece that admits to favoring fire. Yeah, it, that's what I was thinking of. I was like, so this is definitely, I think, Jacob and Edward, because I can't think of anything else she's, like, struggling with it internally mm-hmm. besides, like, the whole marriage thing. But, like, that's not a big mm-hmm. struggle. It's the Edward-Jacob issue. But, yeah, why, she clearly favors ice, so why did you choose mm-hmm. this poem? The poem literally says, from what I've tasted of desire... I hold with those who favor favor fire. fire. It makes no sense because Bella's whole thing is that she loves Edward, not Mm -hmm. Jake. And she repeats it how many times in this So many times. So what's the point? What's the point of this, Stephanie? What's the point? I feel like she Googled fire and ice quotes and that came up and she was like perfect i'm using this for the book she's like perfect it mentioned it in fire and, and ice, ice. And it's kind of horny yes it's just like it's just mildly horny that it doesn't offend like her mormonism but just saucy enough to ever get a little taste of what's going on i'm like bella's not you know horny for jacob unless i mm-hmm. don't know how to read which i think i do she's not into jacob that way Mm-hmm. I will say, though, um, it, it was something that, as I'm learning more about when Twilight was first released, um, because I didn't read I didn't read the books when they were first coming out when we were in, like, middle mm-hmm. and high school, but uh, this book is where she really starts amping up the um, sort of sexual relationship between Edward and Bella. Oh, yeah. Like, they they don't have sex in this book, no. but suddenly, like, all of the extended glances mm-hmm. and, like, dizzy feelings that Bella has been feeling when she looks at Edward, suddenly they are physicalizing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's interesting, and it kind of makes the book better. It does. I going to say it. I wish... <laughs> Something I wish for is that somebody would rewrite Twilight, but, like, add in little, little smuttiness. Not a lot. What you're cause... talking about is just Fifty Shades of Grey, my love. But not that, because that's not good. That's not what I want. I want the fantasy elements of it still, the supernatural quality. You, you want exactly Twilight, but you want Edward and Bella to be able to fuck. Yeah, and, and I want Edward to be able to say the word fuck. Let Edward say fuck. 
I just want them to be able to swear. I don't need them to have sex before they canonically do because yeah. I think that them pining after each other is a huge part of the yeah. story. Like, I, I genuinely think that it is the vampirism, Bella's desire to become a vampire mm-hmm. is symbolic of her desire for sex. Yeah. And so I think the two things work really well together and it makes for a compelling narrative. Mm-hmm. It's just not... I don't even know if I can say it's not written well because that's so, so you know, subjective. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. But it's but you're right. I want exactly these stories but with a better developed plot. Yes. And I want everyone to be able to swear when they want to. Yes. <laughs> yeah, literally, those are all I want. That's all I want from these books. Like, I want somebody to, like, go through with, like, a red pen and edit the living hell out of it. And put something up on, like, archive of our own or, like, Wattpad and be like, this is it. I'm sure it's up there somewhere. I can probably find it. Oh, yeah, I guarantee it exists. (laughs) But I'm lazy, so I'm just going to say I want something without going in and actually looking for it, even though I'm sure it exists. All right, so (laughs) we get the Robert Frost poem that is entirely confusing and stupid. Yeah. Then. (laughs) More confusing shit. Like, the poem itself isn't stupid. No. I love this Robert yes. Frost poem. I think it's beautiful. I 10 out it, of yeah. 10 poem. Way to go, Robbie boy. The problem <laughs> is Stephanie's use of it here. Yeah. she, <laughs> Her little quotes just never quite make sense with the story. And I wish she would have <laughs> given up after the Genesis quote in the first book. But no, she keeps plugging away. She keeps trying. And it never works. Doesn't work for Breaking Dawn either. Spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. But then we pick up immediately after New Moon has ended. So Bella is reading a note from Jake telling her that they can no longer uh, be friends. But it Mm -hmm. includes several crossed out Mm -hmm. iterations of the letter. So Jake was like writing the letter and then crossed out the line he was writing and then tried again and crossed it out. And it's just so clearly done to hurt Bella. And it it makes me hate Jake more. Like he was, he was growing increasingly Mm -hmm. awful at the end of New Moon. But then the very first pages I read of this book are him intentionally trying to hurt her. And I'm like, that's it. You're dead to me. I'm done. I'm done. Because if he didn't want her to read them, then he wouldn't have have crossed them out. He he either would have crossed them out better, like, erased it scribbled all the way through it like sharpie so that it she out. could not read it or he would have found another piece of paper yeah. for his final draft it's just hella manipulative what he's doing he's trying to make her feel awful by be like oh i'm gonna include all these little oh, this is my rough draft cute look at this but crossed mm-hmm. out crossed out but you can still kind of hear like here read what i said just to manipulate mm-hmm. you a little bit more even though he's because- the one who got her grounded because all the things that he writes are hurtful things. They mm-hmm. are all things putting the blame on her. They are all filled with anger and an effort to guilt trip her. And yep. he knows enough about Bella to know that she's going to feel guilty when she reads mm-hmm. that. And so instead of taking care to make sure that she doesn't read it, he makes an effort to make sure she can. And then his final draft is just something like, I just can't handle this right now. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, I miss you too, but it doesn't change anything. And it's like, wow, it's almost like you could have found a different scrap of paper to write yep. those two sentences on, Jacob. But instead, you decided to manipulate the fuck out of mm-hmm. this woman who you are going to continue to abuse for the entire rest yep. of her life. Literally. He's so awful to her in this book, in the rest of the fucking ser- series, if I'm being honest. 
just the worst. Like, I, I understand that you're hurting, Jacob. You both are hurting right now, but you are not being a good friend to her by taking out your anger and your hurt on her. It's not fair. Sorry, I just... <laughs> when you were like, I understand you're hurting, Jacob, my brain, just the only thing that my brain supplied was that quote that was like, hurt people hurt people. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, though. In this case, it's true. Hurt people are hurting people. Like, that's the thing about growing up is, like, you can be hurt from someone else's actions and they can be hurt from your actions, but, like, if you actually want to mend your relationship, you don't, like, manipulate them like by using the things that they did that hurt you that's not fair mm -hmm. that's not being a grown-up jacob or a nice person and then we continue to have the worst <laughs> possible men ever be in bella's life because <laughs> yeah. bella goes downstairs after being just absolutely distressed by this note and charlie is cooking very very poorly he has <sighs> put a jar of spaghetti sauce with a metal lid into the microwave uh this man is in his 40s and he doesn't know not to put metal in the microwave. Yeah. He's a fucking helpless toddler and it sets Literally. the tone for how I'm going to feel about him for this entire book and how Same. I feel is just Ugh. unfiltered hatred. Man child. I, I can't stand it. It's big sad. Weaponized like, incompetence right there, Charlie. How did he live alone? Literally, she's like, Bella's not even like his daughter, but like he still feels like he has to act like a like a big scary parent but she does all the shit in the house like they're not on an e even playing field he's like oh you can cook mm -hmm. and clean for me but also you're still my daughter and i will discipline you that's not fair that's mm -hmm. not a good dynamic charlie the man doesn't know that metal can't go in the microwave and he also doesn't know how to cook spaghetti that's like, like spaghetti the easiest shit to cook it's uh-huh it's not rocket science what if, he can, if you told he can, me that <laughs> he can shoot a gun but he can't he can't boil. He can make pasta. <laughs> if you told me that Edward couldn't make pasta, I'd believe it. Yeah. The man doesn't eat human food and no. hasn't for like a century, okay? I'd understand if he forgot how to boil pasta. But Charlie is a mortal man in his 40s who yeah. has lived by himself for the last like 18 years. Yeah. How does he, <laughs> he survive without Bella? Charlie continues to be the worst because he grants Bella her freedom from her grounding yeah. on the condition that she make time to see friends other than Edward and Alice. And specifically, mm -hmm. he says that he wants her to see Jake and cites that Jake misses her and is depressed and that she should make more of an effort for him. And when Bella states that Jake has more than friendship in his mind, implying that Jake doesn't want to see me because he wants to fuck me and I don't want to fuck him, yep. Charlie urges her to make allowances for him. Charlie is dead to me. Yeah, that's some bullshit. Stephanie Meyer wrote such an amazing dad character in the first yeah. two books. Charlie was a 10 out of 10 dad for the first two books, mm -hmm. and then she completely ruins him in this book just for the sake of drama so that yeah. Jake can have someone on his side. And I'm like, Jake doesn't deserve someone on no. his side. Jake is wrong. Look and the way it. that you write this book tells me that you know that Jake is wrong, so why are you making Bella's dad, who should be a positive male influence in her life, who has been, up until this point, suddenly uncharacteristically stop believing his daughter and start believing the neighbor boy? Why? Yeah. And I'm like, no wonder Bella is such a people pleaser and a kind of a pushover, because she has no good influences or people she can like actually trust in her life like everybody around her just kind of manipulates her 
It is mm-hmm. gross. It's disgusting. Like, and eventually, <laughs> this book actually gives Bella people who don't mm-hmm. manipulate her permanent people in her life who grow and yeah. learn not that the way they've been treating her is not mm-hmm. good and that they need to do better. And I love to see that. I love to yeah, see that growth from growth. the other characters who then surround Bella with the support that she needs. Mm-hmm. But she had a character who gave her the support she needed. And that character was her dad. Yep. And Stephanie Meyer decided that Charlie wasn't going to give her support anymore. No, he doesn't even defend her. No, n- He is always on Jacob's side for the entire book. Every time Jacob does something wrong, he's like, oh, but Bella, he's hurting. I'm like, that's not a reason to defend someone. Also, that's your daughter. I feel like she should be your top priority and not mm-hmm. fucking Jacob. Jacob has mm-hmm. other people to look out for him. Your daughter is hurting because of him. Mm-hmm. Like, I... Just because she can't tell you the full story doesn't mean that you are that stupid to not fully understand the situation going on. Even though the supernatural elements, like, it's... Bella wants a friend, Jacob wants something more, and wants to hurt Bella until, like, he gets that from her. And that's not fair Mm -hmm. to ask of her. Mm -hmm. And Charlie doesn't even respect his own daughter's feelings about the situation, which is bullshit. So, then Edward comes over. Uh, and he brings with him a stack of college applications because mm-hmm. uh, he wants Bella to be able to go to school as a human. So, uh, <laughs> and he wants this so badly for her that he forges her signature on applications. Um, when she says, I don't want to apply for this school, he's like, I wrote your essay for you and I forged mm-hmm. your name on all your documents. Yep. So no more choice so, for you. In the first 20 pages of this book, we get Bella being controlled and manipulated by every man in her life. Yep. I'm like, it's great. I'm sorry, Edward. Weren't you supposed to have grown from the last book when you, like, literally left her? Literally. That was my, <laughs> that was my reaction reading the first, like, I don't know, third of this book. Yeah. Was, like, Edward, you changed at the end of the last book. Mm-hmm. You grew. At the end of the last book. Yep. Where is that growth now? He, like, regressed Where the hell drama. is it? More mm-hmm. drama. I'm like, you know, Stephanie, there's a way to get good, like, plot drama without having our characters, like, regress. Mm-hmm. Like, I am, I am. makes me cranky and angry. Mm-hmm. And then... Well, and <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of his control over her is, like, I want to keep you safe. Yeah. And, like, I get that. He's like, I put you in danger last time, and that's never going to happen again. But he doesn't seem to understand that, like, yes, he did put her in danger by her coming to Italy and, you know, meeting the Volturi. However, comma, her, not initiation, her Mm -hmm. um, agency saved your life and did not Mm -hmm. prove to be a terrible mistake. Yeah. She saved your ass. Because she made the decision to do it herself. So maybe trust her mm-hmm. to make decisions because that's the only reason you're still alive right now. Yep. And, like, I love how he's saying, he's like, oh, but the werewolves are dangerous and they're out of control. I'm like, I don't know, last book she got a paper cut and your brother wanted to eat her. So, yeah, I don't think that's a fair <laughs> assessment. I think you guys are both equally dangerous and you're just a prejudiced asshole, Edward. Mm-hmm. So, So, yeah. <laughs> That leads to them arguing because uh, there's been um, 
a string of murders happening in Seattle that everyone's reporting about, and Mm -hmm. Edward tells her that it's probably vampires that are doing it. Um, And Bella tells him that she wants to go see Jake and try to make things up to him Mm -hmm. because she misses him. And Edward refuses, says that he'll stop her. Bella's real words are, quote, this is my fault that he's so upset and I need to fix it. That's literally a quote from the book, which is very much... (laughs) It is very much not her fault. No. And if he was really her friend, he would accept her choice of a romantic partner and not be a fucking dinkwad. Legit. I'm like, I'm sorry. I feel like, Bella, you should give him an ultimatum. Be like, okay, I can only be in your life as your friend. So if you want to keep pursuing this romantic shit, I won't be your friend anymore. I'm done. But she's like, mm-hmm. no, this is all my fault. I have to go fix it because I hurt his feelings. I'm like, bitch, he hurt your feelings too. It's okay. Bella also makes a comment about like don't you know how much i love you to edward and he says quote you compare a single tree to an entire forest like what the fuck kind of way is that to react to your girlfriend who just said she loves you like i love you more like way more so mute point (laughs) like edward stop being a fucking child my god it's peak nice guy energy it really is like (laughs) Also, Bella brings up the point where she's like, I just want to comfort a friend who's in pain. And, like, he was there for me when I was in pain. And Edward's Mm -hmm. like, I'm never going to forgive myself for leaving you. And she's like, but you did the right thing. It's okay. I'm like, um, excuse me, bestie. He did not do the right thing by abandoning your ass in the woods and giving you, like, trauma. Like, there's a better Mm -hmm. way to handle that whole situation than him being like, bye, bitch. Good luck. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm like, Bella. Hold some fucking, like, agency for yourself and be like, yeah, you know what? You sh- you should, I mean, he shouldn't still feel bad because that's not fair in a relationship dynamic. But she should be like, yeah, you did really hurt me. And, like, we're, we're past that now. But he was there for me then. I, you know, someone should be there for him now. But also, she shouldn't be for Jacob there now because Jacob's being mm-hmm. a dick. See where this is going? It's confusing. He's kind of got an entire pack. That yeah. he could go to for support. I'm just saying. He has a bunch of besties, so I don't understand why <laughs> you need to be there for him. Anyway, the next day at lunch, <laughs> Alice has a vision, makes Bella super suspicious, and she tries to confront Edward about it, but he insists that uh, she just had a vision uh, about Jasper and not to worry at all, which makes Bella feel rude for being mm-hmm. suspicious. Spoiler, he's she, lying she, and right. it's making her feel guilty and that is abusive behavior. Some gaslighting bullshit. God, Bella, just leave. Go, you and Angela, go somewhere else. Take the only other good character right now and just fly away. Honestly, like, I don't even like Alice right <laughs> no, now. No, Alice isn't no. being that, they're, they're all sucking eggs i hate them all right now mm-hmm. angela and ben are the only redeemable characters thus far honestly they deserve the world <laughs> that's my stance they do nothing wrong ever and i love them dearly uh, uh so edward <laughs> reminds bella and charlie about the tickets that his parents gave bella for her birthday oh they God. are tickets to jacksonville to visit her mom uh and they're about to expire and he wants her to use them this weekend charlie's not a fan of this idea but he reluctantly grants permission because they're both 18, mm-hmm. and they're going to see Renee, and how much harm can it really do? But Charlie does then try to have the sex <laughs> talk with Bella. <laughs> and I just want to know, why is that in the book? Is it just to remind us that this whole thing is an allegory for losing your virginity? Is that the reason that it's I, in the book? I because it doesn't it seem to have a reason to be in the book. 
No, like, I don't know. Stephanie, I feel like we all know Bella's not having sex anytime soon. You've written Edward to be a very old-fashioned man. I want to say prude, but that seems kind of rude. So old-fashioned is what the word I'm going with. He's an old-fashioned man, so he's not going to have sex with Bella until they're married. He's made mm-hmm. that kind of clear. He's made that, he's, and that's, that's fine. Yeah, that's L- fine. Live your truth, but live your life. That's been made very clear, and we all know it, <laughs> so why does this conversation between Bella and her dad have to happen? Yeah. I'm like, I don't understand. I'm like, are you just, like, is this just your way of foreshadowing how Bella's growing in, like, her sexual desire for Edward and, like, it's going to reach a tipping point in this book? Is that what we're going with? I feel like we don't need that for this. I feel like there's other ways to show this. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what she's doing. But <laughs> Me- <laughs> anyway, Bella decides that she wants to go see Jake. And Charlie's super excited about yeah. that. It's the first time we've seen Charlie be excited about anything, which is <laughs> shitty. Uh, and But then when she gets to her truck, she finds out it doesn't start. And suddenly, da-da-da-da, Edward is there. Uh, he's disabled her truck so that she yeah. can't leave. Yeah. Uh, and she has to go back inside. She's she's pissed, as she should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she still opens the window so Literally. that he can come in. Also, the way he's like, you can close the window tonight if you want. I'll understand. I'm like, fucking shut up, Edward. My God. Like, stop, stop being a mini asshole. Yeah. So they go to Jacksonville, and Renee is suspicious of their relationship. Uh, she thinks that they're too <laughs> serious about each other. Uh, I mean, and in particular, she thinks that Edward's behavior is weirdly productive and, refer- uh, and refers to Bella as being like a satellite around Edward. Um, and frankly, all of Renee's concerns are valid. Her daughter yep. is 18, and they are weirdly serious i'm not Mm -hmm. saying that there aren't people who you know don't like get married right out of high school and then stay together their entire lives that's totally plausible but this is like a boy that bella met maybe a year and a half ago dating for a year they've been like broken up for like a chunk of time yeah they they were broken up for longer than they've been dating yeah so and so i kind of i kind of get why renee's uh I kind of get why Renee's concerns might be valid. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, just thinking about the way that Bella is a satellite for Edward, I don't yeah. see how this relationship is meant to be romantic at this time. No. I I really don't. It feels like she's in service to him or something. I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. she's like his... And he said this multiple times, which I also think is kind of gross. Like, he would be nothing without her. Like, she mm-hmm. is everything to him. I'm like, that's... That's not it. You have a whole family. Mm-hmm. Like, are you seriously saying this girl is your entire world and you're going to put all that weight on her shoulder? Like, everything about your well-being mm-hmm. is now on Bella's shoulders. And mm-hmm. she's a human. She's only 18. Like, and sir. I kind of get why it's written that way. I, I do. It mm-hmm. sells. The, the yeah. sort of uh, undying, complete, and utter need for mm-hmm. another person in your soul. Like, I am not... Uh, this is, person's the only thing in my world is the only thing that makes yeah. life worth living. Like that, that sells. It does sell. It, 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 it works in a book. Mm-hmm. The problem is that this is, was a book that was marketed towards young girls, young teenage yes. girls who then viewed this as a, like the, the end all be all of romantic relationships. Yeah. And there was no one to tell them, no, 
Yeah. <laughs> like, legit, like, for the longest time after I read these books, I was like, okay, I guess I won't be complete until I meet my soulmate. And I'm like, that's not a healthy concept to have as a 13-year-old. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you are complete by yourself. And I'm not <laughs> saying there's anything wrong with ha- having written the book that way. No. You know, it. it is what it is. And we do see Edward make a turn and start being a better partner. Yeah. Um, and it's presented that way as him changing for the better, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, I just, so much about these books is presented as romantic when in reality it's abusive. Yeah. And so we see Edward change for the better, but there's also nothing that indicates that the way he behaved before was wrong. Exactly. Like Bella, Bella gets upset yeah. a few times, but, but she otherwise. Him right away mm-hmm like i feel like that's one of the most unrealistic parts of the book and something i wish stephanie again like she does not give bella a backbone especially in this book like she lets her get pushed and pushed and pushed and like let people manipulate her and let her like push her over basically and i'm like that's really unfair to put that on your female heroine who you know your readers are gonna be looking up to I'd argue that Bella does actually have a backbone in this book. Ooh, okay. Um, there are a few specific instances where she asserts herself uh, in a way that she hasn't before. And I would argue that she's really growing into her backbone in this book. Um, and it's refreshing to see, but it's also very saddening to see because the moments where she uses it, no one takes her seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, I'm guessing, why you feel like she doesn't have a backbone, is because nothing changes Yes, when she stands up for herself. Nothing changes because no one takes her seriously. That's the better way of phrasing it. Yeah, because she does start to stand up for herself, and I'm like, yes, bitch, stand up for yourself. Way to be, and then, Mm -hmm. like, immediately gets knocked back down because everybody around her, like, doesn't seem to respect her opinions or her, like, her brain at all. They're like, oh, Mm -hmm. she doesn't know anything, so let's just write Mm -hmm. off what Bella says, which is not fair to her at all. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, something that has happened since New Moon is, like, at the end of New Moon, she and Edward have the conversation where she's like, oh, I get it now. You love me. Mm Mm-hmm. And since that conversation happened, she has not been feeling like she's undeserving of Edward's Mm -hmm. love. She's been feeling like, yes, this is my relationship, and we love each other, and that's Mm -hmm. awesome. And so she has been standing up to him when he's been shitty. Like, when he takes the battery out of her truck, she's like, dude, that was a dick move. Mm -hmm. Put my battery back right now. Stop trying to control me. Yeah. And he's like, I can see that you're upset, but I know better than you. Yeah. And so she has tried standing up for herself, but she just keeps getting knocked back down. And so eventually, Mm -hmm. if she gives up, I can't blame her. Yeah, no, that's fair. And it does take, it takes her having to stand up for herself a lot, like, multiple times about the whole Jacob thing for Edward to finally be like, okay, I feel like you know what you're doing here. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I feel like after, you actually know, this shouldn't not have even been a conversation in the first place, because she is her own person, she knows what's best for her. She really could have been like, you know, well, you were gone after you left me, they were all I hung out with, and I was just fine the whole time, so, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But she's not petty, so she doesn't do that. But <laughs> it still t- it takes her so many different times of being like, I know what I'm doing. It takes her, like, running away and stuff. But spoiler for that. But we'll get there. We're almost there. It takes her multiple times of doing the same thing for him to listen. 
So, uh, upon their return home to Forks, Charlie tells Bella that Jake has been calling nonstop. Mm-hmm. He calls again, and he and Bella have a short conversation, and Bella realizes that he's checking in to make sure that she's still human. Uh, he thought that she had left town to be changed. Mm-hmm. The next day, Jake is at school waiting for her and Edward, uh, and she learns from Jake that Emmett passed over onto the Quileute land that weekend because Victoria had come back. Edward knew, but didn't tell her. That's what Alice's vision had been about. Um, And it incites a fight between Edward and Jake because Jake believes that Bella should be told everything and Edward believes that Bella uh, should be protected from the truth if it's dangerous. And Mm -hmm. I want to say that I don't think either of them are correct here because this was never actually about Bella having knowledge or being safe. This was always about them staking their claim on her. It's like, oh, I know her better than you. This is what she really needs without actually letting Bella state what she really needs or wants. Mm-hmm. Um, I I will say that something I enjoy about this scene is um that <laughs> I I I really like that um the other boys <laughs> are like taking bets on who would win the fight and Ben who has become closer to Edward by proxy because mm-hmm. Angela and Bella are really good friends Ben's like no Edward could do anything shut up <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I wish it would have been in the movies, like, women's mm-hmm. chef's kiss. I also wish we just got more development of Edward and Ben's friendship, because, like, I get that they're, like, kind of peripheral friends, because mm-hmm. their girlfriends are friends, but, like, genuinely, Ben cares about Edward and yeah. thinks he's pretty chill, and I'm assuming Edward thinks the same about Ben, oh, and yeah. I just, I, I wish they had a better friendship. I, know. <laughs> I wish Edward could have one normal dude bro friend. Edward deserves a bestie. Yeah. Edward deserves his own bestie. Maybe then he wouldn't be such a fucking asshole all the time. He'd have other people to hang out with. Like, come on, Edward. Just get get yourself a friend that's not one of your brothers or your siblings and have a great time. Um, Edward and his family go on a hunting trip, which gives Bella the opportunity to go see Jake. Mm -hmm. Um, and Jake confronts her about her relationship with the Collins, uh, and is astounded that she took Edward back after everything, after everything that he did. Um, he's pissed about a lot of, a lot of stuff, uh, and blames it all on Bella. Yep. And then tries to convince her that she'd be better off with someone human, i.e. him. And she's like, but Bella doesn't put up with his shit. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Bella doesn't put up with his shit, and no. then he emotionally manipulates her, oh, uh, and she caters to him again. Yeah. Because every time, every time Jake acts like he's hurt, either emotionally or physically, Bella caters to him. Mm-hmm. Like, he's so rude about the Cullens, and she's like, I don't want to put up with this anymore. And then he's like, oh, don't leave, pouty face. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, fucking stop it, Jacob. Nearly every one of their interactions makes me think about that moment in the Hunger Games after Gale has been, like, uh, publicly, he gets, like, publicly lashed in, uh, in, is it in Catching Fire that it happens? And, um, he's lying on Katniss's kitchen table and his back is all cut up and she kisses him while Mm -hmm. he sleeps. And he's like, I knew you'd kiss me because you always kiss me when I'm in pain. 
And I'm like, I hate it. Awful. <laughs> That's exactly the dynamic yes. between Bella and Jake right now. It's the manipulation through pain. Like, Jacob can clearly tell that whenever, like, he is in pain, Bella's like, oh, it's okay, Jacob. My my own feelings on this matter aren't important. I'm going to cater to you now, which is so unfair of him. Mm-hmm. Um, Jake also tells her that physically he's 25 now, which is gross. That's Aki. <laughs> and then he tells her the story of Sam mm-hmm. uh, and about imprinting. Yeah. Okay, this has been talked about many, many times. First, I'm going to say I love how Jacob says imprinting is a rare thing, but pretty much everybody in the pack ends up imprinting on somebody. So it's really not that rare after all. And then, you know, secondly, I, again, this has been talked about many times, but Stephanie claims that imprinting is not inherently romantic, but when we're looking at the imprintees of the adults werewolves, the two adult werewolves, I said I have to specify this, um, or people of the same age, it is inherently romantic. Because we learn that Jacob's friend Quill imprinted on a two-year-old. And Becca's... Becca, oh my god. Bella. (laughs) Bella's immediately like, what the fuck? That's really gross. And Jacob, like, defends Quill. And Mm -hmm. he's like, well, he's like, it's not what you think. He's just a friend and a protector. But then he says... Until she gets old enough for them to have more. Yeah, and then he's like, but when, when... you know, when Claire grows up, they'll be as happy as Emily and Sam. Mm-hmm. That, my friends, is grooming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for uh, backstory, because we didn't actually explain what imprinting oh, yeah. is. Um, imprinting, according to Jake, is something that happens to members of the wolf pack. Mm-hmm. He says it's rarely, but um, a total of, like, four members of the pack imprint by mm-hmm. the end of this series yeah but uh imprinting is this it's described by jake as this uh uncontrollable impulsion to protect and be with a uh a a human woman Mm -hmm. um in the case of sam sam uli who's the leader of the pack he had been dating leah clearwater um who was uh a girl in uh in their community mm-hmm. and Leah's cousin Emily came to visit one weekend and Sam took one look at Emily and imprinted and suddenly dumped Leah and got together with Emily and now he and Emily are just the most wonderful happy couple mm-hmm. ever um and so <laughs> uh Imprinting happens whenever you see that person for the first time. It can happen at any age. Mm -hmm. Um, Is it Jared has imprinted on a girl in his class, and so they're both, like, 16, Mm -hmm. uh, and they're in love, and then Quill imprinted on one of Emily's nieces, who is two years old. And like Alyssa said, Jake says that, you know, Quill's going to be a protector and, like, a a friend and a brother, to yeah. her and then once they get older they're gonna be as happy as emily and sam which is gross because yeah. you're saying that quill is going to be a brother and then have a romantic 
mm-hmm. and sexual relationship with this person. Oh, it's every time I think more about it, it like creeps me out to no fucking end. Mm-hmm. Like I I also hate how she puts so many horrible traits on the Quileute tribe. Like she makes it seem like as if werewolves they're kind of out of control and then she's like oh and guess what they also imprint where they lose like all sense of like they don't choose who they imprint on so they lose all of their choices basically mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. so fucked up mm-hmm. like it's it's <laughs> it's really fucked up that she made uh she, she made the indigenous tribe mm-hmm. in this book the people who become animals yep who then lose their human decision making skills yep. yeah that's really fucked up yeah and she stole like their stories and used their mm-hmm. name without their permission their stories without their permission in these books they don't get any revenue from her using their stories and then she mm-hmm. treats them like this like that's mm-hmm. bullshit and horrible so yeah. there's that Imprinting um, Bella at least, <laughs> Bella at least has the good sense to be disgusted yeah. by this. She thinks this is awful. She mm-hmm. she hates it one because it's taking away their free will mm-hmm. to choose their own partners, and two because Quill just imprinted on a fucking two year old. Yeah. Bella at least has the good sense to be absolutely yeah. disgusted and not think is that that this is a normal. Hey y'all, Editing Gwen here. Just wanted to say that if you would like to donate to the Quileute tribe and their mission, Move to Higher Ground, there is a link in the description of this podcast episode. As we discuss a little bit in this episode, uh, Stephanie Meyer really appropriates the stories and traditions of the Quileute tribe for use in the Twilight Saga. And the Quileute tribe did not receive any revenue from the development of these stories or from the films or anything having to do with the Twilight Saga. So if you would like to donate to their mission, Move to Higher Ground, once again, there is a link in the podcast description. Uh, all right. All right. Let's get back to the episode. Yeah. Um, after leaving Jake, she goes to Angela's to help with graduation announcements, uh, but she sees Edward's Volvo following her, which is bad. Yeah. Uh, she assumes that Bella lost, or that Alice lost sight of her when she made the decision to go see Jake mm-hmm. because Alice can't see the wolves, and that's what tipped Edward off, um, and she knows that a fight is coming. Yeah. Eventually she can't avoid it, and so she goes home, and they argue, and he tries to forbid her from going to see him, and she tells him to fuck off and trust her for God's mm-hmm. sake, and he eventually concedes. He's still a controlling ass, but at least yeah. he's trying to listen. Um, this is another one of those cases of Bella exercising that backbone mm-hmm. and standing up for herself now, um, which I love to yes. see. Um but surprise, Edward doesn't actually respect her. Yep. He has lied. Because um, when Edward goes, he and his brothers, I think, go hunting again. Yeah. Um, and Alice kidnaps her and forces her to have a two-day slumber party mm-hmm. um, with her and Esme and Rosalie at the Cullen house so that she is forced to cancel plans that she has made with Jake uh, and can't go and see him. Uh, Bella calls Edward to tell him that he's in dangerous trouble when he gets home, <laughs> and it's a 10 out of 10 moment of, uh, 
<laughs> Bella being like, uh, wild mountain lions will have nothing on what is waiting for you when you get home. Like, uh, yes, bestie, go, go, Bella. And I love it. It's one of those moments where I genuinely believe their relationship um, there's there's quite a few mm-hmm. of those in this book that haven't existed in the previous yes. two, where I'm like, this actually reads like a real relationship and like a real human being, mm-hmm. and I really enjoy that. Same. It's nice to see. <laughs> I like getting those moments where I'm like, yes, I believe your relationship. This is this is a nice time. Mm-hmm. Um, Bella gets put up in Edward's room. There's there's a bed in there now, uh, and Bella. <laughs> Bella's pissed at him for having a bed in there, so she sleeps on the couch. I love her. In the ultimate petty queen room. Love to see but it. while she's in there, um, Rosalie comes to talk to her and shares her story. Mm-hmm. And um, it is absolutely heartbreaking. Yeah. And it also um, is a moment in which my entire opinion changes about Rosalie. Yeah. Like, I, I, I've I, loved Rosalie since the beginning of reading these books because I knew her story was coming because I'd seen the movies. Mm-hmm. But I can guarantee that if I had read these books before seeing the films um, or didn't hadn't known Rosalie's story before reading this book, um, I would have hated her previously. Mm-hmm. And now I love her. Yes. Alyssa, do you want to do you want to talk about Rosalie's yes. story? Let's do it. This is basically Rosalie telling Bella like why she shouldn't become a vampire. Like this is what you're missing out on. So, this is all what happens before Carlisle changes Rosalie. Um I'm going to preface this by being like I don't understand why Stephanie Meyer feels the need to give her female characters really traumatizing backstories, but here we yeah, are. Yeah, cuz all of them have them. Yep. Literally all of them. And I'm like, I don't see the point in traumatizing your female characters for plot, but whatever, I guess. Even Emily, yeah, who, has, who didn't really live a fairly traumatic life, yeah. has a traumatic backstory yeah. because Sam wolfed out and hurt her. And yep. now she has scars across her entire face. Yeah. I'm like... like wh- wh- what's the point in all of your female characters suffering? I, I don't like, get it. Why do you why do you hate your female characters? Because that's how it reads to me is that you don't like them. And that's why you're making them have really traumatizing backstories. I digress though. Anyway, she was changed. Rose's least traumatic backstory. <clears throat> she was changed during the Great Depression. She talks about like that's when she was like she was living her best life though, because her family was really wealthy, but guess what her father did? He was working at a bank in the Great Depression and they were still wealthy. Take a moment with me and think about what's wrong in that sentence. Everything. Because <laughs> that would not have worked. Banks were not doing well in the Great Depression. There's no way they would have been rich. She did not fact check. She was like, good enough. Anyway. He works with money, therefore he must have money. <laughs> and I'm like, that's not how things work. I'm like, we learned about this in U.S. history. I don't I don't understand what you missed, Stephanie. Uh <laughs> But she talks about how Rosalie was basically, like, the golden girl of, like, the town she was living in. She had everything. She was beautiful. She had money. And, like, her parents, obviously, they profited a little bit off of her her beauty. And they wanted to marry her off to somebody nice. And she had, like, an idealistic, like, fantasy of falling in love and having, like, a perfect wedding. Like, very typical, like, 18-year-old, 17-year-old thoughts. Um, 
she goes into a courtship with Royce King, who is, like, works at her father's bank or something like that. Like, he's very rich, like, a very, like, notorious, amazing bachelor. It's, like, the perfect match, and, like, they start courting right away, and, like, they don't know each other very well, but, like, the wedding is super soon, but she's really excited about it. I don't know if she loves him, but she's in love with the idea of him and what he represents mm-hmm. to her and her family. And in part, she's really in love with that idea because one of her closest friends, like her best friend mm-hmm. in the whole world, uh, had recently gotten married to a man that she loved and now had this beautiful mm-hmm. baby. And all Rosalie has ever wanted is to have that perfect marriage and perfect family mm-hmm. and be a mom and essentially the the idealistic white picket fence narrative you know yeah that's all she's ever wanted and she's like with royce i can accomplish that goal but she's like she said how she was kind of jealous of the way um her friend's husband looked at her because she was like royce never looked at me like that with that kind of love in his eyes and that's all i really wanted despite like all the riches and all the beauty and stuff like that's the one thing I still don't have, and I'm jealous of that. Um, so she gives us, like, that backstory, and then she talks about the night of her transformation, which is really, really horrible. Um, so she was walking home from her friend Vera's house, and she sees Royce and his friends, who are all drunk, and she goes over to say hi, and, again, Royce is really drunk, and he kind of starts, like, verbally assaulting her and, like... She then tries to show her off to his friend John, like, trying to take off the layers she is wearing. Um, And then we can kind of... Rosalie does not go into detail what happens next, besides just she's laying in the streets covered in blood. Um, And they're all walking away laughing, saying how Royce is going to have to find a new bride now. So what's what's implied is that um, Royce and all of his friends raped her. Yep. So there's that and then she is waiting to die in the streets and she's in a lot of pain um and then carlisle finds her because he smells all the blood and so she thinks she's like on her way to heaven because he's running so fast but Mm -hmm. then he changes her that night um Mm -hmm. but rosalie does tell bella she has never tasted a drop of human blood in her entire life but she doesn't have a clean slate because queen rosalie loved this part she gets her revenge on royce and his friends she was a little dramatic she is very campy i don't even think it's over dramatic she gets a wedding dress for the occasion rightfully so um 10 out of 10 um and she murders every one of royce's friends but he she saves him for last so he knows that she is coming for him and Mm -hmm. like He sees her in her bloody wedding dress, her glowing, like, eyes, and she murders him, rightfully so, because he's an awful person. Um, She describes um, waking up at the Cullen house just as pure terror and mm -hmm. horror. Um, She was in pain. She was thirsty. She was so, so thirsty. And she never particularly liked the Cullens. Like. Uh, she she makes a comment about how she never liked Dr. Cullen or his wife very much, or um, his brother-in-law, which is what Edward was being presented as uh, <laughs> at the moment, was as Esme's brother. 
and I don't understand why they dropped that charade, but you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but but a pretty good alibi. She never liked them much, and then suddenly it was explained to her what had happened to her and what she was now, and it was the worst possible thing she could imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she took her revenge and then had to live very just, I'm a vampire now and that sucks for yeah. the, the next however many years. And then eventually she found Emmett in mm-hmm. the woods and um, she instantly knew he, he had been mauled by a bear mm-hmm. and was dying and she was drawn to him because of all the blood and she instantly knew that she needed to save him. Um, but she didn't trust herself to turn him, so she carried him back to Carlisle mm-hmm. and begged Carlisle to turn him for her. And that's how she and Emmett met yeah. and fell in love and became married. And she tells Bella that um, she's envious of her mm-hmm. because Bella still has the chance to have what Rosalie couldn't. She's like, I, I, I'm glad that you love my brother and that he loves you so much but you have a chance that I wasn't given and I would never have chosen this life for myself Mm -hmm. and every day all I can think about is that I love Emmett with all of my being but we're never going to grow old we're never going to grow old together or be able to sit on the porch with our grandkids that's never going to happen so don't take what you have for granted. Yeah. She's like, don't throw it all away because you can't take it back. Like, once it's done, it's done. If you want to change your mind, it's too late. Mm-hmm. It's, oh. It, I, I love Rosalie. I love this. I don't love her story and how awful it is for her, but, like, I do love her as a character. I like her as mm-hmm. an opposing force to Bella being, like, and she doesn't talk down to her. She's just like, listen. This, you love my brother, that's great, but, like, here's what my life was and the choice that I had that was taken away from me. Mm-hmm. You are choosing this, like, on out of your own free will, and I feel like you haven't seriously thought through the consequences of your actions. Yeah. And I'm like, I love it. It's like a good little older sister moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next day at school, Jake shows up on his bike and steals Bella away, so Bella cuts class. <laughs> Um, which is a dumb decision. Yep. Um, (laughs) and then Jake implies that he wishes that Bella was his imprint, that he could imprint (sighs) on Bella. And he whines about how, because she's not, he's never going to find his one. He's never going to find love because Bella isn't his one true love. That doesn't even make sense, Jacob. Like, Mm -hmm. if if you didn't imprint on her, clearly she is not the one and you're just deluding yourself like mm-hmm. go go find someone else it's fine <laughs> bella tells jake that her transformation is going to happen within the year uh and he flips out and yep. tells her that he'd rather she were dead yep so bella leaves yeah rightfully so Hmm. um edward returns home from his trip and he and bella hash it out <laughs> and he admits that he was wrong and that he isn't going to try to control her anymore. And when Bella tells him uh, that she is competent and safe, he is going to trust that and listen to her. 
Um, and then when Bella tells him what Jake said to her, he's very protectively angry, yeah. but he mostly just wants to comfort her. Yeah. Like, he, he's, he's pissed at Jake, would love to go knock Jake's head around. But mostly it's just, hey, are you okay? Because mm-hmm. I know that must have hurt. Yeah. Um, and what can I do to help you right now? It's a uh, big growing moment for Edward. I'm like, this is it. Also, mm-hmm. mm. also they make out. <laughs> they do. And Edward, like, teases her. Yeah, And it's, it's like, the sexiest scene we've gotten yet, you yeah. know? Yeah. It's a little surprise. I'm like, oh, I didn't imagine the spice in this little moment. Yeah, it's like, all of a sudden, Edward went from zero to 100 yeah. in terms of, like, intimacy. And I'm like, I don't know where this came from. But okay, it's it's advancing their relationship cool <laughs> i loved i loved that moment for edward i was like look at you being a little adventurous and a little feisty we, i love this i love this for you it is my favorite <clears throat> edward and bella's chapter Same. in the whole series thus yes far. it's the most because realistic. it is and it's also edward taking ownership of uh the shitty way that he's been treating her this whole time mm-hmm. uh and also him Making a change. Yes. And being a good partner. Mm-hmm. He um, feels incredibly protective of her and very territorial still. Mm-hmm. But rather than immediately being like, well, I'm going to go fix everything by destroying Jake. Yeah. Or by reading him, reading him out. <clears throat> he's just like, okay, I'm angry about that. He shouldn't have said that to you. That mm-hmm. was awful. But... I'm sure that you are feeling worse than me right now. Yeah. So tell me what you need. Yes. How can I help you? It's a good partner moment. Mm-hmm. It's a good Eddie moment. See, I'm like, Stephanie, why would you have him regress when we could have gotten this Edward the whole damn book so far? Freaking exactly. Like, I loved this moment. I thought the drama was so unnecessary. There could have been a different way to, like, move across Bella not wanting to see Jacob. Or mm-hmm. Bella not being able to see Jacob. But, anyways. Also, can we talk about how um, when Bella gets home uh, and she's pissed at Jake, mm-hmm. Charlie asks, you know, what's going on? And uh, he asks, aren't you going to call Jacob? And she tells him no. And he says, that's not very attractive behavior, Bella. Forgiveness is divine. Shut the fuck up, Charlie. Add another tick mark to my times Charlie Swan has asked for death. Yeah. Very (laughs) hypocritical coming from Charlie, who's like up Edward's ass the whole fucking book. Mm -hmm. Forgiveness is divine, Charlie. Maybe practice what you preach. Thanks. Mm Um, Bella also notices that she is missing clothing when she gets home. Mm -hmm. Um, Things that she thought she had left in certain places in her room are gone. Her hamper is more empty than it should be. Uh, And it's not because it's in the wash. It's just missing. Um, Edward comes to visit and is like, there was another vampire here. Mm -hmm. I don't recognize the scent, but there was definitely another vampire in your room. And she's like, well, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Things just got really serious. (laughs) 
And Edward essentially decides, okay, we are going to put you on watch. Uh, no matter what, one of us is going to be either with you or outside watching over you because mm-hmm. something's happening. That's not chill. Bellow's worried it's the Volturi coming to check up on her, but he's like, no, I'd recognize their scent. And also Alice has been keeping an eye on them. We would have known mm-hmm. that they were coming. But essentially they just decide, you know, we're going to – we're just going to protect you. We're going to protect mm-hmm. you. So Bella then calls Jacob back and they have a discussion and Bella tells him what happened at her house. And then Jacob comes to check out the situation to see if it's like if they if the pack can then track track um, the new scent in the house. So Edward mm-hmm. leaves. So he doesn't get into a fight with Jacob, which Bella thinks is ridiculous. I think is kind of smart because Edward does not like Jacob very much. I also want to fight Jacob, so... <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, I don't know. would kind of love to see Edward just kind of smack Jacob right now. It would make me feel really good. Uh, so Jacob comes, and he's like, this is not a scent I recognize, but now I know to keep an eye out for it in the future. Um, mm-hmm. he... And essentially, the pack kind of agrees to work with the Collins yeah. to protect Bella. Mm-hmm. He invites her to a bonfire later that night. Yes, so Bella goes to... A bonfire on the reservation, um, and it turns out to be kind of like a a a pack meeting mm-hmm. with the uh, elders of the tribe, who include Billy, um, also Old Quill, so Quill's mm-hmm. grandfather or great grandfather. I think it's great grandfather. Sue Clearwater mm-hmm. is sitting in for Harry, who is her deceased husband. Yeah. And all of the members are the, of the pack are there, along with um, if they if they have girlfriends, their girlfriends come along, um, and then Sue's kids, Leah and Seth, we are there as Seth. well. <laughs> Seth is a sweetie pie. We love him. We love him. We love a little yeah. cutie. He we can do no wrong, and he the, does no wrong. He doesn't. He is the best goddamn character in this book. I will die on that hill, or in the series too. They're all there to hear uh, the Quileute legends about their tribe and about um, how the wolf pack started. Uh, and essentially you learn that it was uh, the, the ability to become a werewolf uh, was developed beca- for the sake of protection from vampires, which is why that gene had sat dormant for so long. And then when the Cullens moved back to Forks, Sam turned, and then all these, all the mm-hmm. rest of the pack began turning, uh, because there hadn't been vampires, and then all of a sudden there were again. Mm-hmm. So we love to see. And then we learn about like the sacrifice of the third wife, and like mm-hmm. the next like tr- vampire coven. I guess there's like two people that came through, and like. First, the pack killed off, like, the male, and then the female was, like, murdering in the town, basically, and the third wife was seeing her husband get, like, um, the vampire had killed, like, her sons, and, um, she was fighting her old husband, and she stabbed herself, like, in the, in the gut to distract the vampire and save the tribe, basically, and Bella mm-hmm. gets really attached to that story. I wonder why. Yeah, I wonder what she's gonna do later in the book. Yeah, I'm like, Stephanie... <laughs> Once again, your foreshadowing is not your forte. <laughs> M- much too obvious. <laughs> um, 
And then Edward picks her up later that night. Next kind of important scene is they are then theorizing, like the Cullens are, um, what's going on in Seattle with all the vampire murders. And, and then Jasper, well, Edward refers to Jasper's expertise in this area. Mm-hmm. Jasper thinks that it is a newborn army. Um, there have been an accelerating number of murders. The murders don't seem to have any M.O., uh, and so the humans are all thinking it could be a serial killer or gang activity, and the Cullens, Jasper in particular, are a little bit wiser and are Mm -hmm. like, no, this is a newborn army of vampires. Mm -hmm. And Bella's like, what do you mean, a newborn army of vampires? And then we get... Jasper, King of Exposition and Backstory. <laughs> I'm like, another story, another one, three stories in a row. Jasper, who has never spoken more than three words strung together before in this series. Let's give him an entire chapter Legit, of like narration. Paragraph after paragraph. He just talks, 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 and then silence afterwards. So we learn, uh, first of all, that newborns are the strongest of all vampires. Mm-hmm. So the about year after someone has been turned into a vampire, they are at their strongest because um, they still have human blood inside of them and they are also the most bloodthirsty they will ever be. Mm-hmm. And so that blood is what makes them extra powerful, is their own human blood that still exists within their body in addition to the numerous, uh, you know, quarts and gallons of blood that they must drink to satisfy their ravenous thirst as newborns. Mm -hmm. Um, And we learn that Jasper, in his human life, um, was turned in order to be a part of a newborn army and Mm -hmm. then was forced to run, essentially, this newborn army. And we learn some not-so-savory things about our buddy Jasper. Uh, some not so savory, completely unnecessary things yeah. about our buddy Jasper. Mm-hmm. Um, mainly that uh, he, when he was a human, was Jasper Whitlock, and he lied lied about his age mm-hmm. to join the Confederate Army at the age of seventeen. Yep. Uh-huh. Stephanie Meyer just said, "Let's make him racist." Yeah, I'm like. Listen, if you want, like, the this, like, newborn vampire little history moment to be during the Civil War, you know, what he could have been just part of the Union Army instead, and still he'd be in the South because they'd be fighting yeah. down there. Like, listen, if you <laughs> think that it's important for them to be in the South, that's fine. Yeah. Why'd he have to be a Confederate soldier, though? Yeah. The Union soldiers fought in the South. Yeah, I'm like... Stephanie, where do you think the battles were happening during the Civil War? Do we want to take mm-hmm. a gander? They were happening in both, I think it was the North and the South. But I think Regardless. Was, regardless. He would have had just as much reason to be all alone by himself in the South as a lone Union soldier mm-hmm. who either had lost track of or, you know, had been the only survivor of his troop. Mm-hmm. As that'd make as much sense yeah. as him being a Confederate soldier out by himself. 
legit. I'm just saying. I'm like, Stephanie, you clearly don't mind if you don't make sense. Like, I'm going to re- reference Rosalie's parents being r- a rich banker in the Great Depression. Like, you don't care about historical accuracy anyways, so. She also just doesn't care if what she writes is kind of racist. Jasper, that ain't it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, Jasper tells his backstory. That's the beginning of it, is, hey, I lied about my age to join the Confederate Army at 17, mm-hmm. and I was quickly promoted because I had a knack for leadership, and people seemed to follow my lead, and I seemed really good at relating to people. We learn that this is kind of like the mortal foreshadowing of mm-hmm. his gift for controlling other people's feelings mm-hmm. uh, that he has as a vampire. He talks about how one night he had been evacuating a town and moving all of the residents to a safe location, and he completed that, got a fresh horse, and then turned around to go back. And he found three women all by themselves, three beautiful women, Mm -hmm. and he initially thought they were stragglers, but as he got closer, realized he had never seen these women before. And they start talking in these really weird sort of cryptic... uh, cryptic conversation with each other and everything inside of him is telling him to run away but he can't bring himself to and then the smallest one her name is maria changes him Mm -hmm. and what we come to learn is that during that time there were all these battles for territory happening between uh amongst all of the vampires in the south because it's harder for vampires to exist in the south and so they are Mm. more widely dispersed and vampires have a larger stretch of territory that they essentially quote-unquote rule over or have control over like this is my land to hunt you don't get to be here and there were wars happening over that uh during this time period and one of the ways that the vampires would fight these wars is by creating newborn armies uh so the more newborns you had the easier you could win a fight kind of thing and jasper had been turned to be a part of that army But then Maria, who was the vampire who had turned him and was, like, controlling this army, decided that he was more useful and had grown Mm -hmm. fond of him. And so Jasper became essentially the general or, like, the the trainer of all of her newborns. And then after they had outlived their usefulness, he was also in charge of killing them, which was really, really awful for him Mm -hmm. because he could feel everything they were feeling. Eventually, he grows tired of being manipulated and he and a friend of his who had also been turned and was in the army, in the newborn army with him, they run away uh, with his friend's mate. And he lives with them for, you know, a while. But he is growing tired of uh, his life as a vampire because yeah. he can feel everything his victims feel. And that's really, really rough for him. Mm-hmm. And... One day he wanders into a diner and there Alice is waiting for him. And they go together to find the Cullens who Alice had seen and knew about and knew like, that's going to be our family. And so they find the Cullens and move in and that's that's the end of the story. I have sympathy for Jasper because I can't imagine... Feeling everything your victims feel. Yeah. But just wanting to be able to eat. Like, that's yeah. awful. That sounds like Thank torture. God he's a vegetarian now. That mm-hmm. sounds like torture. 
And I will once again ask Stephanie Meyer, why did he have to be a Confederate soldier? Because he would be such a fun and good character. Mm -hmm. He has this, he has this, what's the term I'm looking for? He's like very blunt in his, in his actions, in his conversation with people. Mm -hmm. It's very different. He's very blunt and he, he also has a flaw that... Mm -hmm is existential it's i need to eat but also i feel all of the pain Mm -hmm. of the people that i am hurting in order to do so and that's really interesting and fascinating so why did you have to make him a confederate soldier yeah (sighs) stephanie so many issues so many issues with your writing in your characters and what you do with your characters you don't Mm -hmm. need to do it but you do anyways (laughs) why so the Cullens decide <laughs> that they are going to try to fight this newborn army, but they're going to need reinforcements. So they call Tanya and her family, mm-hmm. who live in Alaska, they call the Denali Coven, and uh, the Denali Coven essentially says no because uh, Irina was in love with Laurent, who the werewolves killed in the last book, <laughs> and they'll only agree to come if the Cullens agree to let arena take out the werewolves Mm. and the cullens are like no we have an agreement with the wolves and they're like well then you're on your own sex to suck (laughs) (laughs) also i'm like bold to assume arena alone could take out all the wolves because like laurent was not hard for them bold of you to assume arena that you can take him on but you can't tell me that if a wolf killed edward vampire bella wouldn't have gone absolutely feral because she would have that's this is true the cullens decide okay fine we're going to need to find different reinforcements. We're going to call around and call, try to call in some old favors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for those of you who, who know what's coming, you know that this is some foreshadowing. Yep. Um, for, for some future events. But anyway, yep. they're like, Jasper's going to train us to fight. It's going to be great. Cool, cool, cool. And then we get ready for graduation. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. I don't want to talk about what comes next. <laughs> Quite frankly. It's not a good time. I forgot about this. I was going to skip this part and just go straight to graduation, but we can't skip this part no. because this is, this is very important. Yeah. Um, okay, y'all. Another rough part coming. Bella goes to hang out with Jake again. He tells her that he is in love with her. Which we knew. And... That she can't become a vampire because she hasn't fully considered all of her options. And he is an option. And she should love him back. And she says, Jake, I've already considered the options. You were never one of them. I don't want you. I love Edward. Can't you see that? It's him. It's always been him. Let it go. He doesn't let it go. Instead, he kisses her. Yep. By force. Yep. She literally says she tries multiple times to push him off, and then she finally goes limp, so he'll stop. Mm-hmm. Because she's just waiting for it to be over. Yep. She discusses how disgusted she feels and how awful it is, and then when he's done, he thinks it's amazing, and she punches him in the face mm-hmm. and breaks her hand on his yeah. face. Jacob tells her that it's obvious that she's in love with him and she's just in denial and that she wanted him to kiss her. 
she wants to go home immediately and begins to just walk home because she doesn't want to be near Jake. And mm-hmm. she's like, as soon as I get past the, um, as, as soon as I get past the, the treaty line, Edward will come and pick me up and Alice will see me and she'll tell Edward to come and pick me up and he'll be there. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to walk. And Jake insists on driving her home and she wants nothing to do with him, but she can tell that her hand is broken and she needs to go and see Carlisle yeah. and have her hand fixed. Jake takes her home instead of to the Cullen house. Charlie is like, what's going on? Why is Bella upset and what's wrong with her hand? And Jake says, she punched me because I tried to kiss her. And Charlie's response is good for you, kid. Yep. And Bella is actively telling her dad how angry she is about it. And he's like, well, good on you, Jacob. Well done. And then she's like, dad, I'm the one who hit him. And he turns to Jacob and he's like, do you want to press charges? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, are you fucking kidding me? He just assaulted your daughter and that's what you're going to say? You're going to defend him? Mm Mm-hmm. Bella calls Edward, who is already on his way. And tells him what happened. And Edward, I I will say, there, there's a part of me that likes this passage of her telling Edward what happened. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, he didn't say anything. I just heard the car speed up. Yep. And there's a part of me that likes that passage. Yeah. But then we go straight back into everything being awful because Edward gets there and confronts Jake. Mm-hmm. And Jake is still trying to convince Bella and Edward, by uh, by association, yeah. that Bella wanted it and that she's just in denial. And Bella keeps saying, no, I never want to see you again. I fucking punched you in the face. How could you think that I wanted that? Mm-hmm. I hated it. Get the fuck away from me. And she asks Edward to please take her to his house to see yeah. Carlisle. And... Edward puts Bella in the car and then turns to Jake and tells him, if you ever bring her back to me damaged again in less than the perfect condition that I brought her to you, I will end you. And I don't like it. I I don't like it because he's not... He's not advocating for her. It's more so like him being like... Mm -hmm. It's like property being... You damaged my property. Yeah, Yeah. It's really gross. He then continues to say, if you ever touch her without her permission again, I will end you. There we go, Edward. That's what we were looking for. And I'm like, there you go. That's what we needed. And Jake's (sighs) like, she wanted it, though. What if she wants it? And Edward's like, wait for her to fucking say it, asshole. (laughs) Get the fuck away from me and my girlfriend. Rightfully so. And those are the lines that were needed. Yeah, that's all that we needed. Not the whole property damage part. We just needed... which is why those are the only lines that are included in the film. Yeah. The film <laughs> did some good cleanup. Like, he, they had Charlie kind of not really, not show support to Jacob. He's just like, okay, please don't fight on my property. All right, let's, mm-hmm. let's settle down. Let's not do this. What's going on right now? And mm-hmm. he's, like, looking at Bella, like, kind of, like, checking in with her to make sure she's okay. And he doesn't say anything about supporting Jacob. Rightfully so, because the the people in the movie were like, mm, that's not it. But I, 
want to be clear about something here. Yeah. Like, end of this, th- this scene ends with Bella going to see Carlisle and um, essentially her hand is broken, but only a little bit, so she has to wear a brace. Emmett makes a joke about, what'd you trip over this time? She's like, I punched a werewolf, and he's like, cool, badass. <laughs> um, that's the end of this scene, yeah. right? But I, I, I need to talk about the fact that this scene... And when I first saw the film and watched this scene, and when everyone first read the book and read this scene, this scene is portrayed as being a romantic scene. This scene was met with cheers from Team Jacob, who were so excited that Jacob and Bella had finally kissed. Jacob and Bella did not kiss. Jake kissed Bella. Jake forced himself on Bella. Nothing about that is romantic. No. And when Bella rightfully expressed her rage about it, no one listened to her or believed her. It was written off as a joke. And that makes me so incredibly angry. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, look at the weak small woman. Oh, she hurt her hand by punching the big werewolf. And I'm like, no, this is a woman who was just assaulted who was trying to take some agency over her body. and Mm -hmm. And she gets a fucking broken hand. And there are no consequences for this. No. Bella remains mad at him for two chapters and then forgives him the next time she sees him. Yep. And it's like nothing ever happened. Yep. And so here's what I have to say about this scene. Is that this scene exists so that Bella and Jake can kiss. Stephanie Meyer may have written the scene because the way Bella portrays it, it is very clearly an assault scene. Bella Mm -hmm. does not consent to what is happening. Bella is horrified by what is happening. And so my question for Stephanie Meyer is, did you write this scene so that Jake and Bella could finally kiss? Or did you write this scene to express how little Bella wants Jacob and how violated she feels by what he's doing to her? Because if you wanting them to kiss is the reason, this was not the way to do it. If you wanted this to be a true love triangle, then you should have made Bella enjoy it a little. Yep. And if the point was to make it clear how much Bella hates Jacob right now and how much Jacob is not a viable option for Mm -hmm. her, then she shouldn't be forgiving him two chapters from now. Yep. And he should be doing more than just making her a graduation present to apologize. His apology shouldn't be, I'm sorry I did it that way. Yeah. It should be, I'm sorry I kissed you. Because he maintains the argument that she wanted it, and that she liked it, and that she she loves him. And that's so severely fucked up. I have a hard time dissecting that, because honestly, I, there's no... She didn't see him as a viable option before, and certainly not now that he's violated her in that mm-hmm. way, and doesn't even ha- have... Doesn't even acknowledge it or really truly apologize for what he did or acknowledge his shitty ass behavior he like tries to cover it all up and then he continues the same little like manipulation dance of his with her emotions and it's such bullshit like Mm -hmm. what the fuck it's awful um and it is one of the reasons that so many people cite this book as being the worst one yeah there's so many issues with this book And I also really, really hate how this, like, this is called a love triangle, and that's so untrue. 
Mm-hmm. Bella's Jake never... is in love with Bella. Bella has never loved yep. Jake. Bella has only ever loved Edward. Yeah. Like, maybe the the movie blurs the lines a little bit more for, like, you know, the whole cinematic experience. But, like, reading the books, she's only loved Jacob platonically. Mm-hmm. And she loses this that is, love for him. This is a classic story of a girl who finds a boyfriend that she's really happy with and her nice guy best friend mm-hmm. who can't mm-hmm. deal with it. Yeah. It's a classic tale. It's a real-life tale. Yeah. Which is why it's believable in the book that this is actually happening. Yep. But when that nice guy best friend assaults the girl, I don't like that your narrative is that she then forgives him. No. Yeah. Like, it was nothing. And then the experience is quite literally never brought up again. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, if, if Bella, if you want Bella to forgive him, okay, sure. But that doesn't mean she forgets about it. Yeah. And it should still influence the way that she treats him. Yep. For the rest of the series. And it doesn't no. at all. She... And it, it, it's literally a completely traumatic moment that exists in the narrative of these books that is then never used again to further the narrative. Yep. Like... Can I do you realize that your audience is pretty much all girls, and you are like you are showing them multiple times of women dealing with really traumatic, awful things. Why are you doing that? Why are you doing this with your like dominant like fan base? I have so much rage about this. Me too. Oh, so okay. Next episode, y'all, we're going to jump back in with graduation. Whoop, whoop, whoop. And then we'll also discuss from graduation through the end of the book. I need all of you to know that we have reached the about, um, I'd say we're about two-thirds through. Yeah, I agree. Um, we've got maybe 200 pages left. Yeah. Uh, and once again, Stephanie Meyer has saved the entire plot for the last <laughs> 200 pages. <laughs> And even then, it's not a hard plot to keep track of. Nope. So uh, we'll see you next time (laughs) for the last 200 pages of Eclipse uh, and some Zillennial quiz taking Mm -hmm. time and some other general nonsense. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, guys. (laughs) Thanks for sticking around. Um, Yeah. This has been a time. Yeah. This has been a heavy one. This has been a really um, heavy one. We'll, we'll see you next time for yeah. some more weight. Yeah. Do some yeah. self-care in the meantime. It's heavy. Unwind yeah. from Do a all face of this. mask. That's yeah. what I'm going to go do right now. Do your nails. Live your truth. Nice. Watch some yeah. happy TV. Order some DoorDash, man. Yeah. Do some takeout, do it. guys. Like, I'm then... not sponsored by DoorDash. No, I wish we were. <laughs> DoorDash, <laughs> you know you want to sponsor us. <laughs> Are not at all family friendly podcasts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, y'all, we will see you next time for the last part of Eclipse. Yee. Yeehaw. Bye. Bye.